Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Water Prairie Chronicles. We're glad that you joined us today. We have a special guest with us. Ed McDaniel is here, and I met Ed through his niece, Kristen, indirectly. If you remember, a few weeks ago, we were at the North Carolina State Fair Accessibility Day, and during that event, I met Kristen, and Kristen got us connected after that event was over, and Ed reached out to me to talk about his guide dog, and I think you're going to enjoy hearing his story today. So Ed, welcome to the Water Prairie Chronicles. Thank you. Glad to be here. Before we go very deeply, I always like to have my guests introduce themselves. So would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I uh, have what's called uh, Usher Syndrome 2A, which means that I've been hard of hearing since birth and uh, have an eye condition called uh, retinitis pigmentosa. So for most of my life, I've very gradually been losing my vision. At this point, my acuity is still pretty good, but my visual field is below five degrees, where most people uh, see 180 minus uh, below five degrees. I'm a psychologist. I worked with children and adults uh, with disabilities for uh, many years. Not currently working, but am uh, going to be starting to work again in uh, January. Are you going into the schools? Or are you work going in practi- private practice? Or uh, yeah, I, I'm transitioning into uh, private practice. So I kind of taken some time off to uh, kind of make that transition. I, I worked for the state of North Carolina for 30 years. And then uh, for five years, I worked for a nonprofit and also worked part-time for the state after I retired. And then uh, almost two years ago, I stopped working as I moved back to my hometown and uh, have been kind of transitioning to uh, working in uh, a private practice. You're listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles, a podcast that supports parents of children with disabilities by sharing the stories of individuals who have grown up with disabilities and the organizations available to help parents along the way. Stay connected with us by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment if you want to join in on the conversation. So today we're going to be talking more about the guide dog. Now you said that you first got your guide dog, what, a year ago? Was it in December? It was December of last year. Almost a year okay. ago. Um, and so I've kind of broken up our interview into some sections. And so just so our listeners kind of know where we're going with this, I wanted to look at some basic information just about guide dogs in general first, because some of our listeners have young children. They may not have thought about this yet, and it might be something down the road for them to, to consider. Um, and then others may have an older son or daughter who's going to be looking into this type of tool in the near future. And so, um, so I figured we'd start with that and then we'll move into some more personal experience of, of what you've learned over the last year. So, um, so first of all, what exactly is a, a guide dog and what's the difference between a guide dog and a service dog? A guide dog is specifically trained to help people with um, blindness or vision loss navigate. A service dog um, is broader uh, and includes a a variety of disabilities where a dog is trained to perform a specific task for someone like for example uh, for someone who is deaf uh, the dog would alert them to certain sounds like a doorbell or 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 things like that Um, there's a whole variety of 
service dogs, but guide dogs are specific to people who are blind. Because you're dealing with both deafness and blindness, is your dog trained in both or just a guide dog? Just a guide dog. Um, With my hearing loss being hard of hearing, um, you know, there, there are some people who get dogs who are trained uh, in different areas depending on if they have multiple disabilities. In my case, uh, my dog is a guide dog and she's not trained for other tasks uh, related to my hearing loss. Okay, I hadn't really thought about that before Before you mentioned that, um, that, that I guess it, it, it would be a possibility to have a dog that's trained in multiple areas. Yes. Um, so, um, so you've already answered my next question, which was whether you have to be blind to have a guide dog. But specifically, is there a level of vision loss that you have to have to qualify for a guide dog? Yes, most programs uh, require that you be legally blind. Some states, I think, maybe have some variation in some schools, may have some variation in where what's considered legally blind. Uh, in my case, um, as I mentioned, I'm legally blind through my visual field. If you have a uh, visual field of less than 20 degrees, you're considered legally blind. So that's how I qualified. So the um, so it's not necessarily the acuity, but it's either the acuity or the range, the field range. Yeah, and, and it could be both. Yeah. Okay. Because you are not legally blind as far as acuity goes, why did you want to get a guide dog? The main reason was for safety. Uh, With my type of vision loss, I'm mostly impacted with my mobility. Because I have good acuity, you know, I can still read and recognize people at this point. Although I know that's going to change. I have two older brothers with Usher syndrome also, and I can kind of by watching them, I can kind of see what my future holds as far as my vision. And my oldest brother doesn't have any uh, real um, functional vision left, and my middle brother's kind of in between us. The main reason was for safety um, and also more confidence. Because of my lack of uh, visual field, you know, I bump into things if I don't use a cane or a guide dog. And uh, crossing the street, being around traffic, also with my hearing loss, you know, that makes it more difficult for me to uh, hear what's around me. Uh, so a dog is able to um, see and hear things that, it, that I'm not aware of um, for my safety. For a guide dog, what do you have to do to qualify for one? Now, the, the vision loss would be one of them, mm-hmm. um, but are there other qualifications? For the uh, school that I went to, you have to be at least 16 years old. You know, different schools have different requirements. You also have to be active, you know, uh, you have to be able to care for a dog. So, you know, they want to make sure that, you know, you're going to use a dog regularly uh, with the type of work or school or or what you're doing and that you are physically active to be able to walk regularly with the dog. Are there things that you did to prepare to get your guide dog? Um, Well, you know, with the, the application process, in kind of preparing that was kind of the really the first step was uh you know i had to provide a lot of information to the guide dog school um about my vision loss my health my pace Uh, that's one of the things that they look at is um is your walking pace um i had to um, 
share information about, um, you know, my environment. You know, I had to uh, do some videos of um, uh, me navigating. And, and one of the things I didn't mention that is a requirement is uh, orientation and mobility training. You have to have had already, already had O&M training. Um, so you have to be able to use a cane and uh, navigate independently before you can qualify to uh, get a guide dog. And are there, um, so you, you're providing a video of your environment, you're, you're giving them feedback as far as what your day-to-day -day routine is, I would think, as part of that. Mm -hmm. um, right. So do they use that information to help choose the dog that, that you will yes. work with? Yeah, they, they spend a lot of time uh, making sure it's the right match, um, you know, with the person's personality, how they're going to use the dog, and, and the dog, you know, itself you know um they they you know evaluate the dog and they evaluate the uh, applicant and they try to make the uh, the best match how long did you have to wait from when you first applied i um applied uh in uh, november of 2020 my application was accepted in february of 2021 so i had to wait a few months through the application process before i was accepted and then uh, i got the call uh in november of 2021 and started the uh, the training in december so it was a little more than a year from the time i started the application to the time that uh, i got my guide dog do you think that's typical or do you think any of that was delayed because of COVID? Uh, it was a little delayed. They had told me when I started the application, it might be um, 12 to 18 months. Um, okay. So, which was, you know, a little longer. Um, they, um, because of the pandemic, they, uh, there was a little, a short period of time where um, they didn't have anyone coming in uh, due to COVID, uh, but mostly what they did was they uh, decreased the class sizes, and they also um, decreased the length of training from um, three weeks to two weeks. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the fact that you're in the pandemic and the training that you'd have to do would have to be in person speaking of that what type of training did you did you have it you know it was pretty intensive training uh, over two weeks first they just kind of start out even without a dog and they actually have one of the instructors hold the harness and you kind of walk with them so you you even okay. start without a dog uh but then um you know they pretty quickly um you know get you matched with a dog uh, they have a dog in mind when you come but they still are evaluating you um, when you come to make sure it's still the best match uh, so um, you know looking back you know I'm, I'm thinking through that whole process there were so many things that we did in that two weeks uh, but you know uh, you know we were in a variety of settings we were uh, like in a residential neighborhood, we went to a small town, we went to a larger city. Uh, so they put us in different environments. Uh, we did uh, nighttime training. Uh, we went to uh, 
a mall we got on a bus uh we uh got on escalators elevators and you know we had our dogs with us after the first day we had our dogs with us all the time the dogs stayed with us in our rooms and uh, they accompanied us, us to uh, our meals and were with us all the time um, after that first day. So the first day was when you had the trainer with you as if you had the dog, but it was just the, the harness that you were using. Right. We were introduced to the dogs that first day, but we didn't know. We weren't told for sure if that was the match because they were still evaluating. Um, and as it turned out, you know, the dog that they... I first started with was the dog they matched me with um, and, and part of that too was I uh, entered a, a specific program for running guides um, I'm a runner and um, okay. this guide dog school which is Guiding Eyes for the Blind is the, the only guide dog school that trains guide dogs to run with blind people Does insurance help pay for a guide dog? The guide dog school that I went to, and I think this is true of most of them, is all paid for through donations, which is really quite incredible when you consider how much it costs. And, and, and I'm talking about not just the training, but everything. They pay for your transportation. They pay for your, uh, the, uh, you know, the food and, and of course where you're staying they also um you know provide follow-up after you get your dog and they also have a uh, fund for uh, vet expenses uh so everything is paid for and it it uh guiding eyes for the blind uh, says that it costs about fifty thousand dollars a year to train a dog and it takes up to, up to three years to train a dog um, and you know it's quite amazing when you consider you know how much money and how many dogs a year they uh, train and match uh, with with people um, and they were very accommodating you know uh, as well um, when they called me in uh, November of last year and told me they had a match and ask if I could come in December. I had already signed up to run a marathon in California, uh, and it just so happened that was the day before the class was going to start. And I said, well, can you fly me from California to New York? And they said, sure. So, And they made all the arrangements for flights, and it was all paid for, and uh, it's amazing. Um, how accommodating they are. Is there, um, now you had the two weeks, typically be a three week um, training when you first are getting your dog. Is there follow-up training that you'll do over the years or is that a one-time training? It's uh, a one-time training, but if you are, um, you know, having uh, any issues, um, you can uh, call the uh, guide dog school, and, and I've done that uh, where I've called um, my instructor and, and talked with her. They do have people who, like in different regions of the country, um, will come out and, you know, uh, reassess and provide additional training if that's needed. Uh, so it's just on a, um, you know, as needed basis. 
All right, so let's get into your dog. I keep talking about guide dog generically, but what is your dog's name? Her name is Serena. It's spelled S-E-R-I-N-A. And do you have a photo you can share with us? Uh, do you want me to bring her in here? Uh, oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, she's just in this room over here. Okay. I, I, when I'm doing a video call or a phone call, I sometimes don't have her in the room with me because when I'm talking, she thinks I'm talking to her and she wants to play. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, yeah, I've got her in the next room and uh, I think you'll be able to see her when she comes in. So can you, can you see her? Yeah, there she is. Hi, Serena. <laughs> so this is her. She's now how how old is she now? She is three years old. Okay. <laughs> and it is playtime. <laughs> Yeah, so, so she, she hears me talking, she doesn't realize I'm talking to you. She thinks I'm talking to her. Right. She's, she's <laughs> yeah. really with me uh, since I'm talking to her. So, uh, yeah. But she's very she She's very active. She's a lot of fun. She's very social and friendly. Um, she's just a lot of fun to be around. Does she understand when it's time to work and when it's time to play? Uh... Mostly. <laughs> yeah, that, that's something that we have to work on sometimes. Um, or do you want to see her anymore? Can I put her back? Or uh, Yeah, yeah. If, if, it, 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 it's probably easier if you go ahead and let her leave. <laughs> She looks so dejected. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, she... She wants to be with me all of the time, and uh, and I and I love that about her. She she's just so um, social, and um, you know, yeah. I, I feel bad when I I have to leave her sometimes. Uh, just so, uh, just the the way she was walking out the door there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she'd like, much wait, rather just, be in here. Yeah, yeah, she'd much rather be in here with me. Uh, and, you know, most of the time when I'm in my office, she's in here with me. But like I said, when I'm on the phone and, you know, she'll go and get one of her squeaky toys and come in here and all the squeaking <laughs> going on. And it's um, it's hard <laughs> to hear, you know. Uh, and, and then she'll, she'll want to get, you know, uh, kind of be close to me because, like I said, she thinks I'm talking to her. You know, I ask about the work and the play part. I've always been told that, like, if they wear the harness that they're right. working when they don't wear the harness That's they're playing. True. That is but true. But she's three years old. Does she understand that yet, or is she still? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, for the most part, you know, um, she, because she's, I think, a running guide, she probably has more energy uh, than most guide dogs. Uh, so she... Um, She's easily excited, you know, probably more than most guide dogs. She just has a lot of energy. Uh, so um, she does really well when we are moving and she is guiding me. She actually does the best in challenging situations, like, for example, in an airport where there's a lot of people, there's a lot of activity. She's just kind of in her her element when she's in a high demand situation like a uh, an airport or recently I um, went back to the town where I had been living uh, before I got her where I'd done a lot of hiking and 
uh, took her on a um, pretty challenging hike, and uh, she, um, you know, she was really focused and um, enjoyed that. So it, it's kind of in low demand situations where, uh, you know, if I am with, you know, a group of friends or family, and she's not really having to guide me, and we're just kind of standing around talking. She, that's where she, even sometimes when she's in harness, she, you know, she wants to play, she wants to be social. So that's kind of hard. Uh, but, you know, we're working on that. I'm, I'm hoping, uh, you know, as she gets older, she'll mellow out. I think she will. Um, but that, that's one of the challenges with her. But, you know, it, it's a part of her that I really like as well because she is a lot of fun and she's very social. That's one thing, and she's three years old. For a dog, she's she's still still in her puppy stages. Too. Yeah, she is. She is for sure. So you talked about the airport. You talked about hiking, about running. Have you had any trouble going anywhere with her yet? I have not, fortunately. You know, I'm waiting for that time to come because I have um, heard stories and I've known people that have had issues, and it seemed to happen more frequently with the ride shares like Uber or Lyft, where people oh, right. have their you know personal cars, sometimes they don't want a dog in their car. Uh, and I've heard that, and also sometimes in restaurants and stores. Uh, but I have not had any issues, and I've been, you know, like I said, I've been on airplanes, I've been on trains, buses, I've been to doctor's appointment, dental appointments, the barbershop, restaurants, stores, you know, um, all kinds of places, and uh, I've not had any issues. I, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, it may happen one day, um, but so far it hasn't. Do you have any trouble if you're around other dogs? Like, what does she do? If we are moving, and you know, she's pretty focused with um, guiding me. Uh, we haven't had any issues, um, and actually, we. Particularly when we're running, like if we're um, running like in a park area, like uh, on a greenway, um, there have been times where other dogs have growled and, and barked at her right. and been aggressive. And she she will look at them, but she'll just keep going. Uh, so she's really good with that. Uh, there have been times where um, we have been running in a dog without their owner who's unleashed will run up to us. And and she she's very friendly and very social. So she really, when dogs have approached us that way without an owner close by, she's so friendly, she really kind of de-escalates the situation. Uh, she's not afraid of aggressive dogs. Um, she just wags her tail and it seems like they, they calm down and, and then usually the owner comes running out there to get their dog and uh so she she's done really well with that you know when i've had like uh, friends or family with their dogs she's she just she's kind of over the top excited to play with other dogs she loves <laughs> being with other dogs so you know when she's not guiding me in a situation like that you know uh she gets a little crazy and it um, it's one of those things that I always wondered because you always see dogs like like my son used to do dog walking in the neighborhood here, and um, and so I would go with him and yet every every dog 
in a in a yard anywhere would come out, you know, barking and howling in the at the corner uh -huh. of their yard. Mm -hmm. And I I wondered, you know, with you being out and running and all, if you um, would run into much of that. It hasn't been a problem, you know. Even with like squirrels and cats, and um, she does she does really well. Like I said, particularly if we're moving, she she stays focused. You know, if I were just standing around, you know, that would be a little different. Although, you know, I, I've been, you know, in uh, outside of my yard, and and we're just sitting there, and cats would walk by, and she just watches them go by. And we we've seen, uh, <laughs> you know, um, like a possum. Um, some other animals like that in the neighborhood, and uh, she just she's curious. She looks, but she doesn't go after them. I'm sure as they're evaluating these puppies, even they're looking at that type of personality too. Definitely, definitely. There's there's a very uh, intensive uh, evaluation process with dogs, uh, you know, from a very young age, and um, to make sure they're well suited. I mean, even before that with the breeding um, of the dogs, um, but they're evaluating them from a very young age. And, and you know, some dogs aren't cut out to be guide dogs and and uh, they uh, may go into other areas like they may uh, uh, work with uh, police departments or, um, right. you know, uh, other types of service dogs, uh, emotional support dogs. Uh, or, you know, some dogs, if if they aren't suited for any of those, just uh, are adopted out to uh, families. Getting into the details of working with a guide dog, mm -hmm. how does she know where to go? I have to tell her where to go. Uh, most people don't uh, realize that. They think that the dog is, um, you know, there, there are some situations where, you know, if you tell a dog to find something, they're doing the guiding as far as leading. But basically what happens like when you're navigating a street, you're on the sidewalk, is that you, the dog travels in a straight line and they will continue straight until you tell it to turn. Uh, so, um, you know, I give her certain commands like uh, forward, which means obviously get forward. Um, and I will say, and, and she will go like point to point and she will go, I'll say to the curb. And so she will walk until we get to the next curb and then stop. And then I will either tell her to go left, right or forward once we get to that, like an intersection. Um, and, you know, other commands that I use are like wait. Uh, but, you know, you can, uh, you know, uh, like when I go to a store, I'll say uh, to the door, you know, um, you know, so she can find certain things, um, and you, you know, you, you can train your dog to, you know, find elevators and, and things like that. But for the most part, you are the one, you know, particularly in traffic, you are the one that tells the dog when to go and cross the intersection. Um, so you have to know when to cross uh, based on the traffic pattern and, and the sounds of the cars going by. Uh, the dog will. Um, do like if you start to cross an intersection and there's a car coming it will do what they call uh intelligent uh disobedience where the dog will stop okay. uh, and disobey you for safety reasons um and and they actually um practice that in the uh the training uh and actually it happened one time when i was um 
we were in a, a larger city, White Plains, New York, in a very busy traffic downtown area. And um, we were, you know, partway through a crosswalk and a car came behind us and then turned, you know, past us and turned right in front of us. And we, you know, she stopped. And But then they did that with the um, instructors uh, when we were in the um, uh, smaller town. It was uh, Yorktown, uh, uh, New York. And um, the one of the instructors came in a car and they told us, you know, at some point this would happen. I didn't know when, but they did that where the car crossed in the intersection that we were in and, and the dog stopped. So other than just stopping, are there other signals that she gives you or is that pretty much the main way that she's telling she, you something she, Yeah, well, you know, let's say if there's not a, uh, a sidewalk, um, she is trained to uh, stay to the curb, to the left. Like if you're in a residential neighborhood that doesn't have sidewalks, she right. will stay to the left. Uh, you know, she... I hold her harness with my left hand, so she's going to stay to the left. And um, so, so in that instance, you know, like if I'm going through my neighborhood and, the, you know, street curves, she's going to stay to the curb. Um, right. But she'll continue until I tell her to, uh, and the command is to wait, um, and she'll stop. Are there um, any obstacles that are more difficult to navigate navigate around? Uh, you know, construction areas uh, can be more challenging um, because, uh, you know, depending on the barricades and and uh, things like that, how things are set up, uh, you know, it can be a little more challenging um, to figure out how to get around, you know, if the sidewalk ends and you have to cross the street to get around a construction area, uh, that's... Um, how do, how do you handle, um, like I'm thinking about, I, I, I live near Raleigh and there's some older neighborhoods in downtown Raleigh that have like really bad broken sidewalks mm -hmm. um, and they have some stairs going from the road up to a more level sidewalk. They're, they're a little bit harder to navigate even with a cane. Um, that type of situation, is that easier with a dog or is it just as difficult? Yeah, I... For me, I found that's easier with a dog than with a cane because with a cane, your cane, that tip of the cane gets caught up on cracks in the sidewalk and right. and uh, and all. So um, I've found it's easier with a, a dog. And you know, she will, um, you know, I will tell her, you know, to go to the curb or to the stairs, you know, um, um, and and she'll stop and at the edge and you know. Uh, and then I'll tell her forward again. Um, so um, that's kind of how that works. So on the just speaking, just think, think, thinking about cracks in the sidewalk and all. So you get mm -hmm. those those older cracked ones, or maybe you've got a tree root coming up on a regular sidewalk. With the cane, even though it may get hung up on it, you're going to feel where that changes. Mm -hmm. How does she? Once you know, like if there's a deviation in a smooth sidewalk. Yeah, if it's, you know, uh, depending on how substantial it is, you know, she will go around it. Um, but I'm not hitting oh, okay. issues um, with that. Um, if it's kind of subtle, you know, she'll just walk. And, you know, uh, and there have been some times where uh, a sidewalk is uneven, uh, 
you know, I'll trip a little bit, but, you know, I'm holding on to her and she kind of steadies me if I, right. you know, uh, my toe catches a crack in the sidewalk. Right. Well, probably a little bit more um, stabilizing than a cane would be, too. Yeah. 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 There, uh, when I was using my cane, particularly when I was running, um, I have tripped on uh, some cracks on the sidewalks. But I, since I've had her for almost a year now, I've not fallen. I, I had a number of falls uh, prior to having her, but I haven't fallen with her. And you, you referred earlier to saying forward, so do I assume that you speak to her in English or do you use any other language? Yeah, we're using uh, English and we uh, also use uh, hand gestures. What's an example of a hand gesture that, that you might use? Just a, like a, um, here I'll stand. So like this would be forward, you know, left, right, uh, stay, oh, okay. you know, they're pretty basic, right. um, you know, hand gestures. Do you do you speak and gesture, or is it either? I do, I do both. Yeah, I do both. And you said that you used a cane before you started working with her. Do you still use a cane at times? Yes, I do. Um, you know, when I first got her, you know, I felt like I always needed to, uh, you know, use her as my guide. Um, but you know, uh, and I and I talked to my instructor about this. Uh, there are situations where, you know, it's not really practical to have her with me. Um, and so, you know, I've just kind of make a decision, you know, depending on where I'm going and what I'm doing as to whether I bring her or not. And, and, you know, she, like you saw, she, you know, she wants to be with me. So I do feel bad when I leave her, but, (laughs) but, you know, you know, there are some things that I do, uh, particularly like, for example, I'll, uh, volunteer at a soup kitchen and it's really not practical to have her in a soup kitchen with me and, um, and sometimes with social situations, if I'm don't really need her with me, if I'm just kind of kind of be standing around talking, uh, not really moving around much, uh, it's easier to uh, leave her at home. So I'm I'm just picturing um, the way she was so so dejected leaving a while ago. <laughs> um, she she's going to see you leaving with your cane, and she's going to go hide your cane. <laughs> so she, <laughs> so I, I, I wouldn't put you. that past her. What she does actually is when I start getting ready, you know, and she knows, you know, like I'm getting dressed and all. She will stay right beside me, and you know, uh, and she she signaling to me, you know, I want to go with you, and she'll stay right next to me while I'm getting ready to, <laughs> to make sure I don't leave her behind. If any of our listeners are thinking about if they're if they're old enough themselves to um, to apply for a guide dog, or if it's a parent and their child is is getting close to that age, do you have any advice that you would give them? I would just say to um, you know, there are a lot of guide dog schools out there is to get online and um, read about them and learn about them. You know, they all have websites and have a lot of information that they share. Uh, you know, some of it is, you know, depending on how far you want to go to get a guide dog and, um, you know, if they have any specification uh, that you're interested in. Uh, also, you know, there are a number of um, social media groups about guide dogs um, that you can learn more and, um, you know, kind of social networking. Uh, and that's, that's really how I decided 
and learned about guiding eyes for the blind was because of um, they had the running guides program and and that's um, and you know I found out about that through um, social media and some connections I've made with people uh, who are runners and blind and so just you know kind of you know take your time and, and you know and I had done this for a number of years I knew at a certain point I would get a guide dog uh, so I had you know been kind of gathering information for a number of years before I uh, made the decision to get a guide dog. Are either of your brothers using guide dogs? No, neither one of them are. I looked at the uh, Guiding Eyes for the Blind website to just kind of refresh my memory on some of the things. Uh, I did not realize this, but they said that only 2% of people who are blind and visually impaired uh, use guide dogs. Interesting. I thought it would be higher than that. Yeah, I, I did too. So if our listeners want to get in touch with you, are you on social media? I am. I'm on um, Facebook. Okay. And um, can we link your Facebook in the show notes? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. I'd be glad for um, people to contact me. Uh, you know, I've made a lot of connections um, through social media and uh, with people all over the country and the world who are, have vision loss and... Um, and I enjoy doing that. Um, so those that are listening, um, we'll link in the show notes the direct link to his Facebook so that if you want to send him a, a message through that, you can connect with him that way. And as always, you can always send an email through the info at waterprairie.com, and we'll forward that to him as well. So if you do have specific questions for him, you can, can get in touch with him. So is there anything that I didn't ask, Ed, that you can think of before we go to the speed round? Uh, no, just, you know, I, I did want to just say, um, having gone through this experience, you know, the um, amount of gratitude I have for, um, you know, guide dogs and these guide dog schools, you know, it just really um, made a huge difference in my life. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, like I said, it's all free and it's just uh, amazing um program and um i just have i'm really just so thankful um uh, for um serena and uh, the uh, guide dog school i think it's incredible that they're able to get donations to cover the cost of everything like you said that yeah it's, it's, it is very amazing that. yeah the um because i know the cost would be prohibitive for most people oh yeah definitely it. yeah definitely yeah i i yeah, I would not have been able to afford that. So um, so those that are listening, um, it sounds like, like Ed would recommend this step when you're ready for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, guide dogs aren't for everyone. You know, as I mentioned, you know, you asked about my brothers. You know, they've not made that decision to do that. So some people, you know, that's not their choice. But if you are interested, I would highly recommend it. Well, it sounds like it's time for our speed round. And if you have not listened to an episode of the Water Prairie Chronicles before, um, the speed round is a list of 10 questions. And this is for you, Ed, as well as for our listeners. Um, It's a list of 10 questions that are totally different from the interview. This is just a way to get get to know our guests better. And we use it as just a fun way to close up our our interviews. The first three questions are what I call open-ended questions. There'll be some things about his favorites. And then... um, the last seven questions are either or questions. Well, he'll choose one of two words or phrases, 
and um, when we get to that section, Ed, there's not a right or wrong. You can say one of the one of the two that I give you, or you could say um, both or neither, or you can make up something else that's okay. not there. <laughs> okay. So, so are you ready? Yes. All right. So the first question: What is your favorite color? Blue. And what was the last book that you read? Uh, Solely by uh, John Grisham. And then what's your favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. All right, so the next questions are either or. It'll be two words or phrases. You can pick one, pick both, or neither, or <laughs> whatever okay. you want to answer. <laughs> okay. So the first one, cake or ice cream? Ice cream. Batman or Superman? Neither. <laughs> I don't have a preference. Ocean or mountains? <laughs> Mountains, definitely. Winter or summer? Winter. Watch a movie or read a book? Enjoy both. Okay. Uh, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Neither. And Twitter or Instagram? Neither. Neither. <laughs> Only because when I ask about social media, neither of those were on your list. Right, yeah. <laughs> Well, Ed, I appreciate you coming on the show with us today and um, sharing what you've learned and um, just giving us a little more detail about what guide dogs are in general. So thank you for taking the time. Well, I've enjoyed it, and thanks for having me. This podcast is made possible by support from our listeners. If you want to help offset the cost of producing the Water Prairie Chronicles, become a supporter at buymeacoffee.com slash waterprairie. You've been listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles. Any resources mentioned during this episode will be posted in the description. If you're interested in joining us as a guest, contact us through the links in the description below. Be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. We appreciate your support as we build this resource. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week for a new episode.